In almost all cases, especially with people anticipating we're going to run into a recession here on the back side of this, everybody's reevaluating. Dollars are tight. I've spoken to a number of companies. Yeah, we're not sure what we're doing right now. So we're not going to do anything for the meantime until we start figuring out what's happening. Right. We work with a lot of different sales tech vendors and MarTech vendors, and they're telling us that they have never seen so many CFOs, CIOs, CROs intervening at the end of the sales process lately, at the end of this last quarter, and in some cases, completely punting, completely pausing, or having this extra hurdle at the end to decide whether or not this is actually something we should be working on. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Dan Gottlieb. Dan's a senior analyst for Topo, a sales and marketing advisory firm that is now part of Gartner. And today, he's joining me on this episode of Sales Enablement to talk about Topo's recommendations for how you should adjust your sales messaging for the COVID-19 era. It all starts with developing a true understanding of what customers are going through now and capturing that juxtaposition between their roles and goals before and after the COVID-19 work-from-home policies went into place. We'll dig into why your messaging during this time requires nuance, empathy, insights, and value. Now, before we get to Dan, I want to let you know that all of us who work to produce this podcast are incredibly grateful for all the healthcare professionals on the front lines of this battle against COVID-19. If there's one thing that each of us can do to help them in this fight, it is to do everything we can to reduce the number of new cases that come to the hospitals. Now, I have cabin fever just like everyone else, so when you go outside, wear a mask, be concerned of others. Remember, we're all in this fight together. All right, let's jump into it. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure. So um, where are you sheltering? I am sheltered in San Francisco, in mm -hmm. the city, uh, mm -hmm. uh, about uh, three blocks away from Golden Gate Park. Now, do you get out to the park and walk these days or staying inside? I do brave the outdoors um, as on a beautiful, sunshiny afternoon sometimes. I do an excellent job of keeping my distance, walking in the middle of the field, not on the <laughs> sidewalk. Um, uh, so I just need that vitamin D sometimes and a breath of fresh air. I will say those are my favorite parts of my day sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've been inside for almost two weeks now, <laughs> other than a grocery run to Trader Joe's two weeks ago. But I think we're going again tomorrow because... <laughs> Mother's Hubbard cupboard is is getting pretty bare. Yeah, it's one of these days I really wish I had a balcony. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, unfortunately in our building there are no balconies or terraces as they say here in in New York. So, uh, yeah, yeah, but it's the streets are empty. I don't know what the city, San Francisco. That city, the city over here it's empty. <laughs> My wife will go. Um, so one of the one of the um, city community college buildings is just right on the other block, and it's completely empty. And my wife will take a, a lounge chair, it's like one of those just classic yeah. camp chairs, and she'll just go sit outside on the sidewalk and read. Sometimes mask on, <laughs> mask on like full on, just like full on, like yeah, uh, just to just to not be inside. Sometimes on a beautiful afternoon. Yeah, I think I'm on my third. That's our balcony. Yeah, I think I think I'm on my third iteration of masks i'm trying to decide what to wear when i go out yeah i've got the bandana now they say the bananas bandanas are no good and ordered some face masks some other things it's like whatever it's a new wave of fashion right maybe that, that can be the next thing that we go into well the, but here's the, 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 the next wave of fashion. right and you may be right though but here's the thing think about it so we're <laughs> i was having this conversation with somebody else this morning is okay 
They say, it's okay, fly, fly again. Would you? But if you do, would you think, well, yeah, maybe I should mask up. Maybe I should glove up, right? I mean, how, how, how long is it going to have to take till we all feel comfortable to go out in public I, without that? I, I definitely think I'm going to be rethinking, do I have to travel for this half-day workshop for this event? Uh, I mean, from a cult, you know, I, I think you're going to see a lot of people. It's going to be a lot harder. They're, the more cavalier folk, the folks that had a hard time staying inside anyways, they're going to be ready to plow right back outside, right? They're going to be the... Yeah. But, 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 you know, I think a lot of us, I, even just like standing next to people in line at the grocery store, oh, you know, I think that's going to be an adjustment. Like, are we ready to get a yard apart, let alone, you know, right next to each other? Well, I mean, I, I, you've lived in New York, so you're familiar with what I'm about to say is, is, you know, my wife and I were out for a walk a couple weeks ago and, you know, being very conscious about social distancing and we're even not really even together. She's just a few feet behind me off to my right. And we're just sort of walking, and this young woman, we're going past the entrance to an apartment building. And as you in New York, people just plow out of the apartment buildings, right? Yeah, no one looks at the oncoming traffic. You just jump out into traffic. And she was very lightly traveled at that time, just my wife and I. But she comes out and turns and sees us, and she literally jumps in the air. (laughs) 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 And it was like... Oh yeah, things have really changed. <laughs> it's just like yeah. I find myself when I'm on the sidewalk. You know, people walk by, I turn my back on them. Totally. My when we my wife and I when we go on a walk sometimes, you know, she she'll be like James Bond with her back against the garage door, you know, <laughs> down the street just to make sure that she's staying away from six foot. And you know, at first I thought to myself, how ridiculous is that? But then I realized like this is what's required, you know. Oh, it is what's required. This is, Absolutely. This is what's required. Um, and I have to get over me. Like I had a, I had a moment where I was like, I my insecurity is the reason I'm not staying apart from people. So I got I immediately put my back against the garage door and was like, <laughs> Well, we right, I'm I'm with you. This this is what we got, this is what we do now. We step out into the streets. I mean, and so the other sort of New York oddity I was laughing about again a couple weeks ago, we were out is is in Manhattan, for sure, is, is you know, in front of every business, there's the metal grates that cover the steps going down to the basement. And everybody's accustomed to walking over those things. And people steer around them when they're walking. So you think you have six feet on somebody, but they walk into your, your lane so they can go around those things because they're afraid of falling down into the basement. Not that everyone anyone ever has other than somebody in a cartoon sometime. But, yeah, we're all adjusting. So, anyway... Um, well, we're going to talk about how to adjust your sales messaging for this era, or if not this era, for <laughs> let's say whatever how we define this era is this, you know, during during the crisis as well as post crisis. What does that look like? What do you need to do? So, um, I guess that the first question is: Yeah, is era really the right term? It's like maybe, right. or maybe how long is an era? You know, <laughs> right. I, how do I how do I get through this month? Um, is is I think one of the first questions. It we got to start much more immediate, but I think that the safe way to look at it is how do I message? How do I create engagement in this environment? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's I think the question a lot of sellers are trying to figure out the answers to right now. 
And, you know, everyone has changed. Their life has changed in some way, shape, or form. The degree of which of, of impact of that is, is going to be different uh, across the, you know, where you are in society, both geographically, socially, mm-hmm. economically. Um, it's going to vary based on the kind of work that you do. I, that feels like a yeah, duh, but, you know, I saw a funny, I saw a funny meme. And so there's only four kinds of employees now. There's the mega rich, the Zoom users, the uh, frontline, the frontline heroes, and the unemployed, right? And that freakily resonated. <laughs> that freakily. It really does, yeah, yeah, right. It freakly, freakily resonated. Um, so, so that's. Um, it, I think it's all about making sure you understand what you're really trying to do here, right? Uh, and. And for us, it's about helping our clients understand that your goal is now to engage in a relevant way in order to figure out if there's any way you might ever be able to possibly sell. Right. And I think that's and I think that's a perfect summation of it, right? You know, I think that that there's too much within sales of sort of this res, residual yeah, macho bro, hey, go out and pound calls, just pound calls. You know, this we still got to pound calls. And it's like no, that's really tone deaf in so many ways. And I understand you're playing to a certain audience, but the fact is, is, to your point, is that the first thing you have to do is understand where, engage, understand where the customer sits. Because there's very few businesses, unless they're investing to support the transition to a work from home, in almost all cases, especially with people anticipating we're going to run into a recession here on the back side of this, is everybody's reevaluating. Dollars are tight. Companies, I've spoken to a number of companies. Yeah, we're 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 not sure what we're doing right now, so we're not going to do anything for the meantime until we start figuring out what's happening. Right. We we've seen several clients. Uh, we work with a lot of different sales tech vendors and uh, you know martech vendors, and they're telling us that they have never seen so many CFOs, CIOs, CROs inter- intervening at the end of the sales process lately, at the end of this last quarter, and in some cases. Completely punting, completely mm-hmm. pausing, or having to, you know, this extra hurdle at the end to decide whether or not this is actually something we should be working on right now. So yeah, that's that's just a tiny little snapshot of what's changing. Yeah, and I think even with those people to think that they've got something that needs to be fixed is in a strategy that I recommend, but you see companies doing it anyway. It's like, yeah, look, we are gonna order some put in an order be for a hundred seats. No, nah, we really need 10 right now. There's right. 10 that are really crucial. Let's do the 10. We're going to defer the rest. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But if you don't engage in the right way up front, you're going to lose that opportunity. So um, you talk in, in you're giving me some material about this, is, is about really going through this exercise, which I think is really useful, of creating that messaging. Because... Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times it's well, I'm somebody who's written books and sort of writes for a living with a blog and so on. Is if you want to clarify your thinking and you want to be able to say, okay, does this look right? Does it sound right? Is you put it down on paper. And exactly. And there's this unspoken reality amongst a lot of sellers right now where they're just uncomfortable with the tools they have and the training that they have approaching and selling the way that they're used to. I mean, they're just you know, you, it's just it's just discomfort, awkwardness. I don't 
I don't want to do this right now. And they're, they're <laughs> experiencing that, you know, especially inside sales teams that are used to doing this in, in bullpens, they get energy from each other, right. but now at home by themselves having to experience this, right? I think every, every seller's had that day. Oh yeah. And they're having to be to a point you bring up when you talk about doing this exercise is they're having to, you know, have a level of empathy that quite frankly, they've, they've never had to show before. And, and it's really, it's key. And we talk about empathy a lot in sales. It's a cliche and a lip service more than anything. Most people think that if they're given a persona by marketing of their client, they understand that person, therefore have empathy for them, which they don't. <laughs> but we're in, this unique, right, right. we're in this unique situation, though, where if you, if you understand that empathy is really about understanding why someone feels the way they do, You've never had more common ground with somebody than at any other time in your life. The opportunity to engage as a human, which we don't train people on, to engage on a human level with somebody, because you have this shared experience. Everybody's at home. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would love to get into the content in a, in a second, but it, you know, it reminds me, uh, the, the word that comes to mind is that it's this egalitarian experience. And right. like, what it's turning into... What it's totally turning into right now is, um, you know, I'll never forget when I lived in Brooklyn, New York, you know, New York is not the kind of place where you smile and high five and ask every single neighbor of yours how they're doing. You just have too many of them to figure that out, you <laughs> know? Right. Um, you, and, and so I'll never forget it was a blizzard. Maybe it was 2015, mm -hmm. 2016. And, uh, my roommate was like, I'm going to go shelter this out with my, with my girlfriend. And I was by myself and I was like, I don't want to do this by myself. So I called my buddy. He lived all the way up in Greenpoint and I was in, I was in Williamsburg and I, he said, come on over. We're here hanging out. Please come on over. And it was starting to get bad. So I said, I'm just going to strap up my stuff and I'm going to go hike mile and a half in the snowstorm to my friend's house. And I will never forget how every single person I saw, we were waving to each other. We were talking to mm -hmm. each other. We were mm -hmm. like, how crazy is this? I had never had an experience like that except for in New, York, in New York City ever. And I don't think I'll ever have it again where I stop and acknowledge every single neighbor that I saw. And um, in many ways, this is, this is a global phenomenon of the same proportion. Yeah. And so I think this is the thing that really sort of struck me is, is say, okay, if we're going to put together our messaging strategy, it has to start with that you make this human connection. And so when you start start saying, okay, well, how am I addressing this person? It's like, well, gosh, you have all these questions that come to mind. You know, if you're, you know, if you have grade school age kids, you know, how's the online education going? You know, you're getting homework done, is you know, or projects getting done. You can just start from a laundry list of things that will lead into a conversation about business, but people want to relate on that level to begin with. And it's not something that will necessarily go away. It should not go away once we sort of start passing through into what we, whatever we consider the new normal to be or the new reality to be. Hopefully, it's a, a massive lesson for sellers. Uh, completely. Uh, you know, one thing that's very important for a lot of sellers that might be listening to this or paying attention to this is that you shouldn't, you shouldn't go at this all by yourself. Uh, you know, this, while you are, there's a lot of things you can control. Um, within an organization, you know, how do you figure out what the relevant topics are about yeah. your buyers? You know, historically, we've relied on buyer persona messaging. Historically, we've relied on, uh, you know, our product marketing team to give us insights. 
Sometimes we rely on our personal experience mm-hmm. and what we know about our market. Um, sometimes we, you know, we're practitioners before we went into sales. Right. And, um, you know, the, the, the profession that I think is the most important for sellers to try and emulate right now is journalists. Start with your relationships. Just start with experts that you know, people that you know in your market that can just tell you, here's what I got going on. Mm-hmm. And then as an or- organization, behave like a newsroom, you know, setting up channels in your, uh, in your internal yeah. Slack or Teams or whatever you use, where you're literally just providing these real-time updates and, um, and, and creating this like self-building library of insights where all you're doing is just getting that knowledge out as quickly as you can. Uh, and then once you have, you can, you can validate, right? Hey, look, like I've been talking for reaching out net cold to a prospect, a stranger you've never heard of before. You know, you don't want to use empathy on like along the lines of my family is safe. Of course you hope my family is safe. I hope you would not hope that my family is safe. Um, you, you can kind of skip towards the more of that business oriented. Hey, look, like I understand you might be going through having to think about how to completely re-instrument your team for the next three to six months or that you might be considering whether or not you should bring your team back to the office. Like you can use the insights to have a much more relevant conversation. So we've been telling a lot of our, our sellers and our clients that we work with that to think about engagement first, like engagement over discovery, if mm-hmm. you will, just to start a conversation. Uh, and then from there, you know, um, you can learn a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. And I, if, make sure I understood you correctly. I mean, I or I would I would not s- skip the small talk on about the things that are personal, ever, 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 ever. Um, because I think at first of all, it's going to give the level personal level of comfort with you when you then make the transition to say, oh, okay, this guy's kind of interested in me, and I'm therefore interested in him or her. So yeah, I'm more likely to answer more fully on this next question. And we tend to, there's, there's this trend, and hopefully, you know, we're see it stop here, but there's been this trend to sort of say, let's dismiss that small talk part at the first. And I think the way sellers have to understand what happens is that everything builds on the thing that preceded it in sales. And so, somebody may still talk to you, even though you didn't necessarily do the greatest job at that personal engagement level, they may still talk to you, but there's a lot of reasons people may still talk to you. What you don't understand is you're on a weaker foundation and maybe you're in third place. So you really have to pay attention to everything at each step along the way. And so engagement starts, yeah, absolutely. Start the personal, get to business. Um, not that you spend forever. You know, it's, no one no one's has an interest spending 20 minutes talking about homework with the kids, but find that thing. You know, if you do a little work ahead of time, you'll know. Completely. Uh, and there is so much X factor in whether or not someone has kids, uh, where those kids are in life, whether they're at home or not, you know? Uh, and I think it's been very interesting to watch the folks that are at home with young kids find an escape through work. <laughs> you know, like... The, the, I, I have a I have a colleague uh, there, an account manager, and you know they're on the East Coast, and some of us are on the West Coast, and we're like, Matt, isn't it like eight o'clock there? He's like, yes, but this is a very important call right now. <laughs> well, my and, uh, <laughs> my, my yeah. stepdaughter's a, a you know, child and adolescent psychiatrist, and so they're doing 
sessions remotely. And we're in the office, you know, the mother will sit in the, the waiting room and the kid will come in and spend time. And now the mother sets them down and says, see you later. <laughs> They're out of there for an hour. Just, you know, you occupy this kid because they've been all over me for the, the last eight hours. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And so I don't envy people have uh, school-age kids that are home or even preschool kids that are trying to get all this work done. It's it's amazing that they are able to to get it done because... I remember those days, and yeah, would have been tough. So, all right. So we're talking about we're talking about engagement. Mm-hmm. Talk about um, understanding the person's goals that you're talking to. So, what do you what do you think about that? So you know that that that's always been a high level, vague idea that I think every seller has been told in one way, forty five shapes or forms throughout their careers, right? The, the key is, is understanding and trying to get to a point where you, you know, can have a, a, a much more thoughtful conversation about um, what's shifted. You know, a lot of organizations, what they care about has completely changed over the next... Your 2020 plan, the model that you use, um, uh, all, of the, all of the assumptions that you've made for your plan this year, they're all out the window. They're all mm-hmm. busted. You know, mm-hmm. there is no opportunity conversion benchmark during a pandemic right. that exists. So, right. you know, as a result of that, um, I think it's, it's, it's been fascinating to watch how quickly organizations can get to this point of understanding what are the, what are the actual imperatives, not just to survive the next month, but how has this business, um, what are the next three to six months going to look like? Right. What kind of change management is coming downhill from there? You know, we, we've been talking about how if you're going to get a deal done, really the only way you're going to get a deal done is if you're connecting the value of what you're providing to some one of those mission critical priorities and that you find the person that's been deputized to address that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so understanding uh, how to ask those questions early has never been more important, both from helping the person that you're talking with understand if this is worth their time mm-hmm. and to make sure that right you're honing in on the thing that matters you know we, what do you have suggestions on how to ask that yeah i so the the suggestions right if if you have information from some of your past customers that's probably one of the most useful ways right like we've seen a few businesses that mm-hmm. are that are trying to change the way that they're thinking about instrumenting their teams, right? Is that relevant? Yeah, no, not rather than just asking these kind of questions in a flat, open-ended, trying to demonstrate that, hey, I, I've been trying to figure this out and I'm trying to figure out what's relevant to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, building on the idea, like you said a minute ago, that everything happens based on what happened before, right? right? So the more uh, journalist-like presentation of insights from what you've been seeing from your customers and the more relevant they are, the better, the more likely you're going to be to learn, well, no, that's interesting that that, that company is trying to think about it like that, but here's how we've been deputized to figure this out, right? Um, we need to create, if you're selling sales tech to a sales right. team, you know. Yeah, I might, that was the interesting part. I might layer it slightly differently in the way I'd ask because instead of referencing that, you know, hey, we've been talking to a lot of customers and this is sort of what they're seeing, I would I would start by trying to include them in the effort and saying, we're in the process of talking to our customers to try to understand what's going on and what's important. What are you seeing? 
And then they'll say, da, 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 da. And then you say, well, oh, that's interesting because we've been talking to this company and this company and this is what they've seen. Then you can engage that in. But I think it's it's more engaging for them to say, I want your opinion first. Not that I talk to these other people. Now, what do you think? But I love that. It's it, it, the spirit of the entire concept is you're collaborating with them on right. on ideas. And you're bringing to the table is the insights of your from your team, uh, that newsroom. Right. And, and I love that. Uh, that's that's a great optimization. And another way to sort of think about it too for people that are listening is is to think about when you ha- when you say that and they sort of come back with you know, with this sort of what we're seeing is there's two types of questions I believe to ask that are sort of macro and micro. The macro levels, well, that's interesting. So, what's the impact going to be on your company of this? And then, what's the impact going to be on you of this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when you get to the you level. Then you open the door to find, well, maybe it's not me that's really the impact. You really need to talk to to Nancy over in the other department. She's the one that's really going to be hitting, carrying the water on this. Oh, okay. Now go to Nancy. Or if it is this person, then they start opening up and saying, well, yeah, it's interesting because yeah, I'm really trying to figure that out right now. Jeez, how can I help you with that? It, that it resonates in in that it is a highly more collaborative approach to the initial conversation, right? Or then just working with uh, and identifying like where is this um what has your next three to six months shifted to be Mm -hmm. uh and if those you know when we're um when we're thinking about this idea of adding value you know you have to focus on extreme value and that's going to be the way that you do that is by honing in on only the things that are going to be both relevant to this person, and it, it and you, it's got to be the one thing. You know, you can't you can't well, brought, paint this <laughs> huge, big, uh, ideal, uh, you know, vision for all the things you're going to change because that's just not true. Yeah. Well, but I think the thing that you, it's really interesting you brought that up because I this is I think is a lesson for again for people listening is that you know Dan just talked about you have to identify that one thing. The point is, there's always only just one thing. Not just now, forever, right? Right. And if this right. helps you get better at finding that one thing that's of extreme value, that then this is a great exercise to go through to help you do that. Because, yeah, I, I share the example of, of early in my career selling this good-sized computer system to a company in... Fairfield, California, big construction company out in the, the Bay Area, East Bay. And they ran us through the ring around this thing. Boy, we RFPs and big compliance matrices, and we had to demonstrate. It was for accounting for a good-sized construction company. And we had to demonstrate all the modules, you know, AR, AP, payroll, billing, job cost accounting, blah, 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 blah. And it was exhausting. We Ultimately, we won. And I remember... It finally dawned on me a few months after they had started implementing it, and maybe six months in, they were pretty fully implemented. At least I thought it was. I go out, and they're only running one module. I said, it was a billing module. I said, Frank, uh, <laughs> what's going on here? And he said, Well, this is why we wanted to buy it. The rest was nice. This was our, this was our one thing, and this has happened. To and they me. were really happy. Oh, they were extremely happy. And, it, and, and they're extremely happy. <laughs> and this happened to me numerous times in my career before I, I finally got smart enough to say, okay, 
what's the one thing? And so I think in this era, you you highlighted perfectly, which is there is one thing that's more important than all the others. Find that one thing and find the one person who, to your point earlier as well, who's responsible for that one thing. And then you can start having those conversations. Yeah. We call that person the deputy. <laughs> the deputy. Okay. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just that, that is, that is the key. Like I said, whether it's now or, for, or whenever, when you're selling, as you discover, you have to find that one thing. Uh, it's exciting, right? And, and big picture in that, you know, this is accelerating these practices becoming norm. I think we've been talking about this for a long time on sales anyways. Uh, but there's a whole generation of us, myself very much included, who has never, we've all been selling and learning how to sell in this gluttonous period of extreme growth, mm. you know? Lucky and uh, I know, I know. Lucky us. Very lucky us. But now in a month, the stakes have completely changed. And as a result, uh, I this idea isn't just a nice to have idea. It's going to be a how the only way you're able to make it through. But there's this really big nuanced mm -hmm. change that's happening at, at the front. And it's this idea of, you know, we've been taught about give gets, right? Mm -hmm. Qualifying. Discovery is treated as this like tips and tricks kind of, of, of experience. You know, every seller thinks they're sly foxes when they're like, so tell me a little bit about who else is involved in the mm -hmm. buying process. No, no. Um, like, you know, the jig is the jig is up on this and that we have to be willing to give and give and give without expecting much in return mm -hmm. in order to learn about the one big thing. Right. You know, uh, I, I have an example. You know, we have um, we have so we have a client. They are, are uh, they sell talk about tricky, right? They sell software to uh, healthcare systems, mm -hmm. specifically collections optimization. Talk about tricky. <laughs> yeah, talk about tricky, yes. And so uh, essentially they've they've basically like paused a lot of selling right now, but they are only focusing on turning their sellers into like value add resources mm -hmm. around they've literally turned them into journalists. And the only thing that they're even meeting with these folks on are sharing like many assessment templates that they can use to figure out whether or not they actually need to think about their collections process differently for post COVID, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and so that's an example. They're just giving, 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 giving. There's no expectation of getting anything in return. And I think that's going to be really hard from a messaging standpoint for a lot of sellers to understand, right? Because it's so counterintuitive to well, what has been espoused. Yeah. Well, it's sort of taking, as you're talking, it sort of struck me as it's like, you have to look at more of your opportunities, even if you're a little more transactional, you have to look at more of your opportunities like major accounts, where what you're doing is you're investing the time to help them. And this this is a, an area of focus, I think, that, that's going to be difficult for some sellers, is to help them, and you brought this word up, is, is help them decide, not decide, but choose how they want to solve the problem that they've got. Mm -hmm. And and unfortunately, we tend to train sellers these days. If you look at decision making in two steps, is people first choose how they want to solve the problem. Second, 
they then decide who they want to solve it with, is we orient our training and our focus and our processes oftentimes on helping our sellers just try to focus on that decide part. After the customer has already sort of chosen how they want to solve it, and if you're on the outside looking in when the customer says, well, this, this is what we're going to define, this is how we're going to define how we want to solve this problem, then you're in a tough spot. You just compete on price and delivery at that point. And so what you were talking about before really is this, yeah, you have this opportunity now, especially if somebody's paused something that was in the works, especially if you weren't really in the running before, is to come back in and say, yeah, how can we help you solve this problem? Let's look at what the problem is that you're trying to solve. Have you maybe thought about this? You provide your insights, do a little bit of challenger. And if you can be that that person that says, look, they're going to ultimately end up basing their vision of what they're going to buy based on what our solution is, then you've turned that into a winning position. It, yes. Uh, and, and what I love about it is how you're you know, turning it into a winning position and how you re- you use the relationship that you establish to do that, even if it's transactional. Um, adding extreme value doesn't have to be the one thing, like that big issue. It doesn't have to be honing in on that one mm-hmm. issue. You could start in a much simpler way. Sure. I've got an example, uh, a sales enablement technology vendor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sales enablement's very busy right now yes. as, a, as a team. Very, yeah. very busy. But one thing, one of their, that group's, big issues. I've got worldwide, worldwide training sessions that we got to now run virtually. Uh, and we've got to figure out not only how to adjust COVID, you know, to the COVID post COVID economy, we also have to uh, find out how to virtual, right. Deliver this virtually Mm -hmm. to a sales force of 500 plus people. Mm -hmm. Uh, and by the way, we have to help with QBRs, right. Right. All while all this is going on. And so, you know, we had the, they're just giving their sales reps this tool to how to run a virtual QBR. So they're just reaching out to enablement people saying like, hey, you're trying to run it. Let me just set up some time to show you how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you could start small to get the engagement. You're, you're, you're creating reasons, but this requires sellers to be dynamic, mm-hmm. right? Dynamic enough to deliver that kind of a presentation and not ask for anything in return. Um, disciplined enough to focus on helping and not, asking for anything in return. And that's counter, extremely counterintuitive. Um, but the, the information comes up. It's, an, it's impossible for it not, not to come up, right. right? When you're helping along those lines. Yeah. Well, I mean, the difficulty, I think, that, that we see in these days, though, because it's a difficulty that exists prior to, to this COVID crisis, is the situation you described. The, the biggest barrier to make that happen is management. Because Tell me more about that. Well, because... And these are, you know, my opinions and observations through, you know, 787 episodes of the show and talking to hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of, of people and companies is that, you know, one of the one of the artifacts of the way that we, we bring technology into sales is that we really haven't trained people how to use the data in the most efficient, effective way. And so, you know, if you try to bring a nuanced sales approach into what is oftentimes, especially in SaaS environment, kind of a brute force sales management <laughs> ethos, there's going to be a conflict. And so, you know, this is going to be a challenge for companies and is a challenge for these companies real time now, companies are dealing with this. Yeah, how do I how do I manage this? This need to be more value-based, be 
you know, quite frankly, is is accept the fact that my customers are gonna they're they're slowing down. That's why the recession is gonna hit because everybody's slowing down in turn, mm-hmm. right? Sort of unavoidable. Mm-hmm. So how how do you how do you work with your sellers as a manager that wants to hit your number? Company needs to hit a number, whatever that number that number's undoubtedly changed <laughs> in the last last month, but you still have a number you want to hit. Is is how do you mesh these two together? And I think. Yeah, messaging to the customer notwithstanding is, is this becomes really one of the big issues because you've got people remote. Uh, to your point earlier, they're not in the bullpen where they get the group effort and the group think and the you know, spree to core and camaraderie and sharing of best practices. All that stuff's much more difficult now and harder. I, you know, it, it, to bring this full circle, uh, what you just said resonates deeply uh, for a few reasons. So the first one is that, you know, uh, we think about, and this is this dramatic, we're not just being hyperbolic. We were talking about this, you know, in the, in mm-hmm. the, as we we're getting warmed up for the, for the recording here, we doing were talking our vocal about exercises, right? Yeah. During our, yes, yes, yes. The, uh, I was a theater kid, by the way. So that, you know, me, also me too, me the too. big black bug <laughs> bled blue blood. Amazing. Amazing. Red leather, yellow um, leather. Yes. Makes sense. Red leather, yellow leather. That's a classic. Yeah. That's an absolute classic. I still sometimes do that before, uh, before speaking engagements and trainings mm-hmm. and whatnot. Anyways. Um, so as we were finishing our exercises, we were talking about reinvention and reinvention is, uh, is org wide. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's everywhere. It's in process. It's in individuals. It's in our management strategy. And unfortunately, but leaders are asking themselves, uh, is this the right group, right? Is this the right group of people that I need to lead right now? Uh, and I think that that's going to be a really, it's a really tough reality for sales managers in that regard. But the second reason why it resonates is that, you know, there's this growing wave in sales tech and sales anyways, that was happening before this, um, before this, it's just mm. going to accelerate it. And that was this, the, the culture of sales has been evolving because sales tech has been creating unprecedented transparency. You think about a forecast, you know, historically, the, it was very subjective. Here's my commit. Here's where I'm at. What happened in the last meeting? Well, let me tell you what happened in the last meeting. Well, that subjectivity that would go into the forecast would come back down. Well, I think that you can, you're able to go find X much more. Mm. I think you're able to go figure this out. So just go figure it out. That that um that has been and i think every seller has can think of an experience that they've had like that right uh that right there is a lot of the time where the breakdown tends to happen but what sales tech is introducing is unprecedented transparency mm-hmm. conversation recordings i have mm-hmm. a, a whole library of them now i don't need to tell you what happened here it is right. here's what happened right and so um that does two things it the first thing it does is it is it um is it puts a lot of pressure on sellers to try to navigate these conversations the right way. Mm-hmm. But it puts a lot of pressure on managers to th- re- completely rethink how they're managing their teams, how they're coaching their teams, how they're leading their teams. So, um, you know, that's ushering in a whole new wave of sellers that crave feedback, you know, mm-hmm. managers that really want to get feedback. They're completely rethinking their schedules to provide feedback. And now that we're all inside sellers, um, this is there. There is a, a big demand for these kinds of tools to rethink how we're interacting with each other as teams. So, um, all these variables combined are creating this cocktail that is potent 
that is uh, putting a lot of pressure on the sales profession to rethink how we lead, set expectations, and hold ourselves accountable. Um, and I think that's in the long term going to be a good thing for the profession. Oh yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think that the I see several things. One is is that this is going to help people get sensitized to the fact that as we bring more tech into sales, is that the human aspect of it becomes more important, not less. Because as you bring more technology into it, certain aspects of your selling process are become less differentiated. And so mm-hmm. this differentiation is going to come from the humans. I think the other thing where it's putting pressure on, and I like to kid sales tech CEOs when I say this when they come on the show, is like, yeah, we've had this unprecedented wave of sales technology into sales over the last you know, five, 10 years. Yet if you read CSO Insights reports, you know, sales performance B2B is dropping year over year. So thus, the correlation must be Sales tech makes salespeople <laughs> stupid, um, which is not the case. But I, but I think that we still are fundamentally illiterate when it comes to how we use the tools and the information Correct. we get from it. And I think mm-hmm. that is that I think is the big the big wave. You know, data literacy is horrible among salespeople. We get this data, and you, know, you just have to read some of the the vendors out there that put out those reports. We've studied six million calls, and and you're supposed to do X, and it's like. Well, no, that makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, it's statistically, it's horrible math. I mean, it's just you serve, and it's like we're doing ourselves a big disservice if we put that out there and think that it's true. So I think we have this this uh, obligation in the profession to increase our data literacy and understand how to use these tools to actually improve performance. Right, bringing it back to the nuanced messaging. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we have. We have transparency into the voice, the tone, the rhetoric of the customer that we, and I think that's, that's the big difference that didn't exist before mm-hmm. in interactions, right? That, that uh, from the data, I completely agree with you. Uh, I completely agree with you. How do we start spending the same amount of time listening to what our prospects have been telling us and reevaluating that? As mm-hmm. part of our engagements with our with our between our as sale, sellers and managers, that's uh, just as right, just as similarly important parallel to the data. But um, well, that would be it's it's, it's, it's yeah, that'll be another that'll be, another that'll be another episode that you and I will have to get into on that because it is one of my my passion projects is this whole idea of performance in sales. You know, it's it's we're good at. I think to some degree at, at giving people basic competence in sales, but we are bad at managing performance and it's across the board and especially, and there's lots of examples of relevant examples that we could learn from that, that we need to like even some professional sports teams and how they mm-hmm. manage top, top performers and then understanding really productivity in sales. Cause I think that rem- <laughs> that <laughs> boils down into a lot of other facets of selling and and we don't have a standard definition of what productivity means. And I think this is this is as we come. Hopefully, this is as you said. As we rethink our processes and rethink everything, this is going to be one of the things we really have to tackle: is really understanding mm-hmm. what this means in sales. And again, whole other conversation we can have on that. But um, yeah, well, Dan, unfortunately, we got to jump. But this has been fantastic. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I have a feeling you and I could talk for hours, especially about theater warm-up exercises. <laughs> well, no, I have a pretty limited <laughs> repertoire of those, but but uh, I, I am a theater aficionado. I love love theater. So one of the great things about being here in New York. 
I bet. I bet. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we'll look forward to talking again soon. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, folks. Thanks for listening. We're so grateful for your support of the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. You can do that all on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this podcast is over. We would certainly appreciate your support. So thank you so much. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Good selling, everyone.